Hello and welcome to From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. Today's episode features Andre Sullivan, a partner and wealth manager with Integral Wealth Securities, a unique financial management firm based right in Nanaimo. The company provides both traditional and alternative investment options for its clients, including a successful mortgage investment corporation and real estate investment trust. He talks with us about his company's approach to investing, how they're analyzing current social media-fueled trends, cryptocurrency, the island's real estate market, and much more. We hope you enjoy the conversation we had with him. Thanks for having me, John. Uh, my name is Andre Sullivan. I'm a wealth manager in Nanaimo, British Columbia, but have clients all across the country. Um, myself and my business partner, Daniel Martinez, run a business with about uh, seven staff, and uh, we invest about a quarter billion dollars of uh, money for clients all across Western Canada and even into Ontario. That's great. Um, and can you just tell me a little bit about the brand too? I see, I mean, Integral Wealth is a pretty large company but you guys you guys own i guess that would be a franchise within an animal office yeah so we're with a firm called integral wealth securities they're an iroc licensed firm meaning that they have the uh, they're supervised by iroc and they uh, have the rights to sell direct stocks and bonds uh so they're one of many firms like it in canada we've chosen them and as our home for the last 15 years now and they've been a wonderful place for us to grow from so their head office is in toronto we're their uh, Nanaimo office, and actually of all the branches across the country, we are their, uh, their largest. But, uh, typically what we do is we, uh, we invest for clients with more than a quarter million dollars on, um, all over Western Canada. We diversify their asset classes over alternative asset classes and traditional asset classes, and we do so with transparent fees by charging our clients on a fee-for-serve basis. So can you talk about your kind of background in, in investing? I mean, I went through the profile on your site, but if you could just give me kind of how you got into uh, the sector and then kind of how you eventually became a, a partner with in the Nanam office there. Sounds great. So I've always been interested in investing and I don't think that was by coincidence. My father uh, before me was a financial planner and uh, ran a business in Nanaimo well, in Vancouver in the early 70s and then in 77 moved to Nanaimo to have us kids. Um, so since uh, then, I've always had kind of one eye on the business. Um, in, uh, in, when I was 18 years old, I was able to win a scholarship through TD Canada Trust, and they gave me a glimpse as, uh, of, of world in the banking um, realm. So I got a job um, in various cities all across the country, in Halifax, Montreal, Toronto, working for TD Bank as a financial advisor, amongst other roles. I also went to school out uh, east in Quebec at Bishop's University, uh, where I've got a business and finance degree. Uh, quickly after graduating there, I rejoined the TD team on Vancouver Island, but a year and a half later, I couldn't help but to jump ship and uh, join my father on his uh, financial planning business. Uh, we ran that together for, uh, for half a dozen years, uh, and then I took on Daniel as a partner, and the two of us bought it from him in 21. That's awesome. And one of the things that's, that's stuck out to me that, that I knew about you guys beforehand, I guess, but it's the real estate investing side. So you do kind of the, the tr traditional securities um, and investing for your customers. But how did the, the real estate investing side come about? So, so we've, um, and it's actually originally come, uh, it comes back from 1998. So we've been involved in real estate for quite some time now. Uh, most of our clients have stocks and bonds, as you said, like a traditional uh, wealth manager or, or financial planner would have for their clients. 
Uh, but what makes us fairly unique is that we also try to diversify outside of the stock and bond market to the local real estate market. And most of us have a higher level of comfort with the local real estate market. It's nice to have some real assets that you can drive by and touch. Uh, so in 1998, my father and a local mortgage broker uh, put a million dollars together into a pool of Vancouver Island mortgages, and that became All Island Equity Mortgage Investment Corp. And uh, 22 years later, the thing's almost $40 million. It lends out uh, mortgages on Vancouver Island and was wondering, with one key rule that uh, matters, it never lends more than 75% of the value of any Vancouver Island properties, so it's tend to have been fairly clean even when real estate downturns uh, and currently averages clients somewhere around six and a quarter percent. So we've had that thing on our shelf as a potential asset for our clients since 1998. Uh, and knowing how to, um, to deal with these private investments uh, also got us to start looking at potentially acquiring a, a portfolio of direct real estate. So four years ago, we uh, ran into a family or a, a single individual up in Courtney Comox who owned about 18% of the rental stock up there. And we agreed to terms with them on how to transact that portfolio. Uh, in his words, he didn't want to sell it to those suits in Toronto and loved the fact that he could find a local uh, Vancouver Island based firm who had the pockets to do so. Uh, and so we went around we solicited our client interests and outside clients and we raised enough money to buy this portfolio and have since been growing it over the last four years. Um, have grown it to almost a $100 million portfolio run and owned by outside parties than us, just again, a, a product that's on our shelf. And it's returned our clients somewhere in the 12, 13% average returns uh, since we, we, we acquired this thing. So it's been a really good asset to diversify away from just stocks and bonds. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, really nice to see that there's some the local options. Have you guys thought about kind of growing it beyond the island? ever or is it something where you guys have there's just enough room to to move here we have and especially when i talk to my clients who are outside of vancouver island they they have that same question saying you know what why, why are all your assets on vancouver island can, can't we look at other ones but if we had a map of canada in front of us and looked at all the real estate markets across the whole country i think we would come to the conclusion that vancouver island is amongst the best of the real estate markets uh, other regions we've you know, looked at, of course, are the Okanagan, Sunshine Coast, just because of its proximity and similarities in terms of regions. Uh, areas like Toronto uh, have always kept a strong real estate market going, but we don't want to play in areas where we don't feel totally comfortable. So when we buy, when we want to buy assets in those other regions, we would typically use the publicly traded REITs that are already available. Uh, there is no publicly traded Vancouver Island REIT, so that's where um, that becomes more important for us. Great. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a cool way to differentiate. Um, with all of kind of the craziness going on, there's there's almost, I didn't quite know how to word it, but almost like a social media influence investing trend. We're seeing a lot of stuff with kind of the, you know, whether it's the cryptocurrency or the the shorting of the, the meme stocks, I think is their call. Can you kind of speak to that? Like, has that started to open up different conversations with your current customers? Like, hey, should I get in on this? Do you have any kind of best practices for, for how you've approached, I guess, especially the past couple, past month or so? Yeah, and, and being old-fashioned um, in our approach has at times left us in the dust when these bubbles start to go. But when the bubble bursts, we tend to walk away from that quite unscathed because, um, I mean, market manipulation is nothing new. It's been happening since the beginning of markets. 
uh, the old adage of selling a newsletter of the stocks that you think are a good pick and then pick and then buying them first. And when everybody reads your newsletter and buys them and moves the stock up, that's been going on since the beginning of time. What we've seen now, though, is that because of the advent of technology and people's ability to trade from their boxer shorts in their basement on their phone now, um, these bubbles move at incredible paces. And there's not a deep understanding of what people are actually buying. GameStop, which is the one that everybody's using as an example, is a old-fashioned business that sells you know, video games out of malls. Obviously, this year, nobody's going into malls, but previous to that, nobody was buying video games because you can download them. So why go into the store? So I have to think that a business like that will go the way of Blockbuster and, and, and die a painful death, and their profits have been bleeding for five years. They've been losing money. So the market decided to short it. They weren't wrong, but when some Reddit users got wind of that, they decided to play a little game on them and bid the price up. And when you start a stampede and move, start moving the stock price up just by selling, by, by people buying more than they're selling, then it can go on for an untold amount of time. And that's what we saw is as people kept buying it, it kept going up. But nobody ever asked the question of what are we buying and are they making money and do they have a path to profitability? And the answer to all that was no. So now we're seeing the repercussions as you don't want to be the last one to into a stampede because um, the prices start to collapse because they're not propped up by any inherent value. So when we look at a business, we're looking for something called profits. Um, a company without profits tends to not have the ability to pay you dividends. And without dividends, we're not getting paid to wait for these things to happen. Right. So we, we like to look at companies that have profits. We like to look at buildings that have tenants. We like to look at mortgages with a fixed interest. Like these things we can understand, we can wrap our head around. And most of our clients are saving for retirement. And therefore our, our primary concern should be to not, not lose the money and to provide them a reoccurring revenue that they could use through retirement, right? We can do that by buying great companies today with dividends instead of having to chase around these inflated stocks that don't actually have inherent value. Interestingly is that all of these things can be excellent ideas in the short term, but when I ask myself long term, what's going to keep the values up or drive the values forward? And if that doesn't exist, then I'm not interested in trying to time a bubble correctly for clients money. Yeah, no, it makes sense. What about on the, the cryptocurrency side of things? Where do you see, do you see that as something with long-term potential for your, your clients or is it kind of unproven at this point? Um, so I, I think there is quite a bit of confusion about the difference between blockchain and cryptocurrency. Um, when we talk about cryptocurrency, we should differentiate between uh, the blockchain and actual cryptocurrencies. The blockchain is the use of a technology that allows us to track ownership over long periods of time. So um, in the case of our old title search system where people own real estate and the only way to know who owns what is to ask your lawyer to do a title search. This is a pretty archaic system. If there was a server that all the way along was tracking the ownership, then we would only have to rely on that server's history. And, and this, um, the idea of tracking ownership by a third party allows you to not necessarily tr uh, trust the counterparty as long as you trust the, uh, the record of ownership. And um, since that's, uh, since that's, been uh, invented, everybody's moving to the blockchain. Um, you're seeing Visa and MasterCard announcing plans to settle their their transactions through the, using a blockchain. Uh, the old wire transfer system that we've used to send money around is really, frankly, archaic and needs to be replaced. And the blockchain it gives you 
a nice, easy, elegant solution for that. So I do believe that the blockchain is going to be uh, prevalent in all of our payment systems going forward. Now, whether or not Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of the uh, cryptocurrency we hear are, are there to dethrone, you know, the American dollar, or the Canadian dollar, I'm less of a believer in that. Um, I believe they, they serve a purpose, they serve a place, um, but I don't inherently trust uh, why the value is where it is. Um, I know they're rare and as long as people keep buying them and there's this limited supply, it'll bid the price up. And I understand how it's gone to where it is, but um, and people say that they they like the Bitcoin because they don't have a lot of faith in central governments, you know, in the federal, in, in U.S. government or Canadian. But I have slightly less faith in the Bitcoin and whatever that history is. So um, it, it does seem funny as an as a reason to look at it. But I, I truly believe that blockchain is going to change the way we do payments. But I'm not sure what role Bitcoin and the other cryptocurrencies will have in that future. Um, okay, want to quickly jump back on the real estate side. You mentioned the Comox Valley. Um, are there some places that you are looking at to invest um, that you kind of expect to pop off in the next one to two years here on specifically on Vancouver Island? Yeah, so we are pretty agnostic when it comes to where on Vancouver Island. We believe the whole island has a very good future. Um, the, the, the center of Victoria has been harder for us to buy in through, not because we have any problems with the real estate market, just frankly, it's fairly expensive to buy an apartment building in Victoria. And for the dollars you put in, you get less equivalent rent. So the cash flow is a little bit reduced. But historically, that's been a great place to buy because of how much the buildings have moved up. So we've stayed um, pretty much north of the Malahat in our discussions. But anywhere from um, you know Duncan up into Campbell River, uh, including Port Alberni, I would say would be an area that we'd be looking to continually invest. Uh, our real estate fund is going to be taking in new uh, capital in April, or the, the All Island Equity Real Estate Fund will be. And so we've been uh, tasked as Integral to raise that capital for them. And uh, the reason for that is for new acquisitions in Campbell River and potentially Nanaimo. Uh, and none of those are set in stone, but that's where the current negotiations are. Um, I don't know if we'd go uh, all the way to the west coast or all the way to the north, but if the opportunity presented itself and there were, the scale was large enough, then of course we would look at that as well. Um, can you maybe talk about how you've been able to able to grow locally, um, grow on the island, maybe grow your your uh, your reputation business and sure. that, that style? Now, c coming into a, a profession of wealth management in my twenties wasn't the easiest thing because the moment I was uh, I was there, I had my degree, I had my expertise, but I was a young twenty-year-old talking to baby boomers and seniors who saying, "Why do you deserve my life savings? And what do you know that uh, that I don't?" Right. Um, so that was definitely something to overcome. So as you mentioned, I uh, I, I created a group quote, along with some other uh, founders called the Young Professionals in Nanaimo, which unified uh, the under 40s in the Nanaimo area into a networking and professional development and community giving organization, which still to this day is going very well. And I was lucky enough to be the president for the first two years of that and uh, had a great two years. And the intention of that is, um, you know, was to one day get to know the people who were going to be at the helm of the community in terms of politics and business and, uh, and start to get to know each other now because the younger generation is always criticized of, you know, staying home and not, not getting out there. So this was a good way to uh, do that. What was surprising more so to all of us was we weren't creating the network um, of the future, but it was immediately impactful. And the older generations 
uh, far from were being protective of the role, they couldn't believe that the young leadership had finally arrived and embraced us as such. So we got a very good treatment and we were able to uh, join a lot of the major boards from the economic development to the chamber. And so we had a lot of under 40s who all of a sudden put themselves into some leadership roles. And that really did help my business a lot because from that point on, sitting in front of the table from a high net worth client who hadn't met me before, uh, there was a good chance that I had a um, somebody in the community had, had met me before that they'd talked to. And it did help a little bit on the reputation being a young wealth manager and, uh, and not having a, a very known background. So uh, getting involved in the community, frankly, was the best thing I could have done for my business. Oh, fantastic. Um, and then what about from a, I mean, a, from a professional development perspective, there's the, fi you know, finance courses that you're going to have to stay on top of, but what about, you know, as a leader and, and for personal growth, are you, do, do you do a lot of reading? Is there any groups or organizations that you're a part of for, for professional development? Well, I mean, there's continuing education courses simply said to, to keep our, our license as, as a very minimum, but we're always embarking on additional courses. Um, so uh, Daniel, my business partner, is a few courses ahead of me now, and I got to play some catch up. But we're always looking to uh, get the next uh, next accredited course just to to learn more formally about the industry. But where our one of our strong suits is is that on a biweekly basis, we as a team uh, get together, um, and that would be myself, my partner, um, Mike, or Daniel, and Mike in our office. We get together and we talk about what's happening in the globe and how that could affect potential trends. You know, how does a self-driving car um, affect the car sales in the future? How does 5G impact uh, the technology we're using today and who's going to be the big benefactors? Those type of questions we have to stay on top of all, all the time because as we all know, the pace of change is increasing and it's making um, companies more obsolete quicker than previously. So we've always tried to talk about the world, talk about what's going on and how that implies how that implicates the various businesses we do own. Can you speak to, you know, I don't know if you want to give away trade secrets or anything like that, but if you could speak to a couple of trends that you're seeing there, you mentioned 5G, you know, that's quite frankly something I had just not, not thought of, or even the self-driving cars. How does that impact your, how you're going to direct your, your customer's money? Right. So we, we definitely want um, businesses like, a lot of the businesses that are running up this year are businesses that are um, pointing in the right direction for the future. Now, most of them have probably overran themselves and are very difficult to buy just because of their price. But what we know is that a company like Walt Disney, which is get, which lost $5 billion in a single quarter during the beginning of the pandemic, was getting punished on the stock market because Disneyland and Disney World and their cruise ships were down and the box office was down and all of their traditional businesses were down. But they launched Disney Plus and they're now sitting with 96 million credit cards that they could charge each month for streaming. And so it became very obvious that yes, their traditional business will get annihilated, their profits will get absolutely crushed, but the future has now become very clear and accelerated on a business like that. So Disney was became a buy for us just based on their streaming. And we were right that the stock ran up and it's at all time highs. And we were also right that their profits were absolutely atrocious and the market didn't seem to care because everybody now sees the future. Companies like Cisco Systems, one of our favorites, um, they're involved in all the areas of networking and uh, modems and routers and, and, and their Cisco WebEx program is unbelievable. So. Uh, we like anything to do with uh, those type of networking and communications. We like the idea of streaming. Um, 
with self-driving cars, we've had a tough time deciding how best to uh, invest in that because we believe that if there will be a future point where there might be less cars on the road if we begin to share them in an Uber-like app and they're self-driving, then maybe we don't buy cars and park them 90% of our day. Uh, maybe we become sharing. So, so we are concerned that uh, there may be less total car sales, but a company like Magna International Car Parts out of Ontario has been a great holding for us. And we've done really well by it because you know, they're making car parts, it's an old business, but they're also making electric car parts. They're making a lot of the self-driving components and they're working, you know, they're in an industry that we're concerned about, but they're doing all the right things. Great. Last couple of questions for you here. Uh, any books that you're currently reading? Any book I'm currently reading? Um, you know, a lot of what I do, I'm doing, well, a lot of what I've been doing over the last year has been um, reading about the pandemic, frankly, uh, reading a lot about the vaccines, reading a lot about that to, um, to keep me more on top of what the trends are and where the solutions are going to be and where, you know, so much of my reading, frankly, hasn't been for pleasure. It's been for work lately, uh, trying to get through the, you know, the story behind the story about what's happening there. Uh, so when I do tend to read, I tend to read um, when I'm at the cabin for pleasure only. And so uh, I've read a few sci-fi books recently. I've read um, some historical fictions, which I always uh, enjoy. But um, no, the, uh, <coughs> the the kind of inspirational book I used to read is not uh, not playing into my current cards. Sense. Uh, best personal advice that you've received that's that's helped you in your career. I, I once heard um, from an, an old advisor that I think was out of Winnipeg, um, we're, buying, we're buying businesses, not stocks. And if people could ever get, wrap their head around that, everybody has the capacity to understand investing. And that did change the way I thought about investing because everybody's trying to chase a stock price up and down. Instead of asking the simple questions of, what do I think of this business? What does the future of this business look like? What are their revenues minus expenses look like? And how much of those profits are going into my pockets and dividends? And once people get to understand that level of the businesses they own, then actually investing can, can get quite logical. And so once I realized that, we've made a career out of educating our, our clients on what they own and why they own it, rather than trust me by this black box. That's great. Last one for you. Favorite restaurant on Vancouver Island? Um, my neighborhood pub, both uh, close to my um, house and close to my uh, work. Uh, so I, I'm lucky enough that my kids my uh, go to school uh, and my work and my house is all within four blocks from each other. So I get to walk every day. Uh, but luckily on, on that walk, the M Milton Public House on uh, Milton Street in downtown Nanaimo's there. And I've always found their food and drink exceptional with a warm atmosphere. So that tends to be my, uh, my favorite place to, uh, to go grab a bite or a beverage after work. Thanks for stopping by From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. If you want to learn more about the interviewee, please check the web and social links provided in the video or listening platform description. Please send any feedback to info at businessexaminer.ca with the subject line podcast. We'll see you next week.